This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, June 14, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. When you help a friend out by investing in his business, you probably don't think much about the Securities and Exchange Commission getting involved. But when your buddy offers you the promise of a future return, he's offering a security. And the SEC's rules might hinder those kinds of offerings in the future. Thea Knight is Associate Director for Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. She comments. When you think of a public offering of uh, an equity, you think of Facebook or Google or some sort of uh, large, this is a big deal, it involves investment banks, it involves all sorts of things, but the way the SEC looks at uh, public offerings, it can include people who are just trying to start a restaurant. I think that the idea generally is that if you're doing a public offering, you know you're doing a public offering, that it's something you've opted into, where you've said, like Facebook, oh, we're going to do our IPO, we've hired lawyers, we've hired an, uh, an investment bank, and that it's the kind of thing you couldn't just stumble into because it's such a big thing. How could you stumble into that? But actually, um, the way the securities laws are written is that if you are offering investment in a company, um, you either have to go through an entire IPO process or you have to qualify for a specific exemption under the securities laws. So somebody could very easily run afoul of this if you, say, wanted to start a restaurant, for example, and you call a few of your friends and say, hey, I'm going to start this restaurant, um, you want to give me some money, and then I'll give you some of the profits once you know the thing is up and running. And to you, that just feels like, well, sure, these are my college buddies, we're just going to start this restaurant together. Um, and actually, that would probably be illegal. So just to understand what who might get ensnared by this? Uh, as you mentioned, somebody just trying to uh, start a business uh, of virtually almost any size? or Yeah, yeah. So this is the kind of thing that we know happens all the time, is that people start a business and they, want, they need money to get started, and so they ask the people they know. Um, if the people you know happen to be very wealthy, then you probably are qualifying for an exemption without even knowing it, um, because there is an exemption where you can do a, small, a certain kind of offering if the people qualify. Um, and one of the ways you can qualify is based on wealth. Um, so you know, if you have just very wealthy friends and family, maybe you're okay. Um, but if even one of those people does not meet the wealth threshold, then the entire offering is actually not legal. Now, does that mean that the police are going to come and knock down your door? No, probably not. Um, what will happen is either if the SEC finds out about it, they will call you and issue a stern warning that you should stop doing this. Um, and most people stop because they didn't realize that they were breaking the law. Um, or what happens is your company grows and you need additional investment and you go through a f more formal channel, for example, getting venture capital funding um, some, from somebody who has very qualified lawyers. And those lawyers go through it and say, oh my goodness, you did this illegal offering, we need to undo it all. And at that point, what happens is they do what's called a rescission offer, which means you know, you basically give back all the money to everybody who invested. And you and I have talked about this before. Uh, for many people, these investment amounts are $10,000, $20,000. This is not a huge amount of money, and yet there are no particular regulations on 
your or my ability to go out and blow 20 grand on stupid consumer goods. Right. So, and you know, I think that even 10 or 20,000 might obscure the problem, which is that even if you invested $5 uh, under this kind of regime that we're talking about, that would still be illegal. Um, and yeah, you can go, you know, if you have $20,000 in the bank, you can go down to, you know, the mall and spend $20,000 and nobody looks into your accounts and says, oh, no, you can't afford this. Um, you can, in fact, go and take your credit card and buy that much, you know, up to your credit limit, which you might not actually have in the bank, and spend all that money and be in debt for all that money, and nobody looks into your ability to pay, fortunately. Um, but if you wanted to go and spend cash that you actually have in the bank to invest in a friend's business, that may be in violation of the securities laws. Even if you mentally are treating that as a consumer good. Yeah. And, and a lot of people do. Yeah. And, you know, you may, it may be that you want to make money on it. You may also be doing it just because you like your friend and you want to help them out. Um, but as if they plan to give you a return on your investment, so if the understanding is that if that company makes money, you will make money, um, that is not legal. Okay. So we've established blowing money, fine. <laughs> uh, being promised something in return, not fine. Not fine for most people. At a local level, it seems ridiculous to think that the SEC should be involved in anything like this. They're involved in any offering of securities. Um, you know, they have jurisdiction that that is how the law is set up, is that if you sell an investment in a company, you have to comply with all federal and state level regulations. So how did we get here and how do we get out of here in terms of allowing, you know, civil society to solve equity problems for small businesses? Well, I think that when the securities laws were originally written, um, for one thing, these were written right after or right in the midst of the Great Depression. Um, they were written in 1933 and 1934. Um, one thing is that there is an exemption for non-public offerings. So that has historically been understood as very small scale, people who know each other. And that initially was kind of the understanding, but that developed over time through a number of court cases and different interpretations by, of, by the SEC into what we have now, which is that that means that your investors are wealthy or uh, financial institutions generally. Uh, which is, you know, th that exemption still exists in the securities laws, but the way it's been interpreted, it's limited it a lot more so that it is only these institutions and wealthy individuals who can invest. So what do you think is the right mix here? I mean, let's assume for the moment that there is a legitimate role for a Securities and Exchange Commission. I understand that many listeners do not agree with that statement, and I probably don't either. But uh, if we're trying to carve out something that says, hey, you're just trying to do this. You're not trying to make this broad offer to the public. You aren't selling your steaks or vodka or school to people. Uh, and they, these people will expect a return, but it's a relatively small amount of money. So there was one attempt recently to change this so that you would be able to raise these small amounts and actually raise them from a broad audience. Um, in 2012, a new law was passed. It's called the Jumpstart Our Business Startups Act or Jobs Act of 2012. And one of the provisions was a crowdfunding provision. So 
Um, you know, you may think of crowdfunding as Kickstarter or GoFundMe, which has been around um, for several years at this point, I think since about 2006. Um, but those platforms don't offer investment. So you can give money. Um, so for Kickstarter, if you think that somebody is starting a cool project, you can say, oh, yeah, I'll give you 100 bucks for that. Maybe they give you a T-shirt. Um, and that's about all they can do. They can't actually offer you a return on your investment. Um, Whereas this new law, the idea was, no, look, you can use that same kind of idea, that same online platform, getting small amounts from lots of ordinary people um, to create, to have seed money for your company. Um, and it would be you know, really easy. You don't need to get a bunch of lawyers involved. You don't need accountants involved. And that was the idea behind it. And unfortunately, what happened was once it was through Congress and once it got through the SEC, we have a provision that actually wound up being fairly clunky in how it's implemented. So, um, you know, this just went live recently um, in May. You now can do an offering online to start your company, raise up to a million dollars uh, from pretty much anybody uh, who's willing to invest. But there are a number of things that you need to do. You need to make a number of disclosures. Uh, you need to provide information to the SEC on an ongoing basis. Um, and if you fail to do that, you really can run into some trouble um, with your with your offering. So, you know, it was supposed to be sort of a sidestep to all of this regulation, and we just kind of got more regulation unfortunately. So um, now what I would like to see is I would like to see a de minimis exemption. So an exemption where the SEC says, look, if you're only raising, let's say, $500,000, we're not even interested. You know, you can sell these securities as long as it's only up to a certain amount. Uh, we don't care. And if you if that would be too much, maybe you say you can only sell to people you already know. I mean, I I wouldn't put that limitation on it, but you know, if you wanted to make some limitations on it, I would say you know set the cap at a half million. Say you can sell to friends and family, um, and the SEC is just not going to be involved at all. I, I think that there is no good argument for not you know for there's no good argument for not having that because that just would allow what's already happening already to happen in the sunlight. Because what happens right now is that people, they do give money to their friends and family to start businesses. They don't realize that they're breaking the law. Um, and so you have this sort of legal cloud over these companies. And it would be much better to just let these people do this legally. Thea Knight is Associate Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.